Hi everyone. Today we're launching Zero Carbon 2030's Climate Hero series. Our objective with this series is to shine a light on the personal stories of climate leaders that are doing amazing things to tackle climate change and leaving a trail for others to follow. Our first climate hero is David Carter. David is the CEO of Austral Fisheries, which he took carbon neutral in 2016. Austral Fisheries has also signed up to our commitments and is the first company to receive a AAA carbon rating from Zero Carbon 2030. David speaks here with Mary Faden about that journey. With these stories, we hope that you'll be inspired to turn those quiet thoughts and concerns that you have about climate change into real, meaningful climate action. Here is David's story. G'day, I'm David Carter, CEO of Austral Fisheries. This is now year 44 since I joined this business as a deckhand. And um, I started with a science degree. I've pretty much been involved in most aspects of this business over that period and um, been in the CEO role for probably 15 years. So in 2015, you went on a trip to Antarctica that really changed your thinking and you came back deciding that you wanted to take Austral Fisheries carbon neutral. Can you talk us through that thought process and what transformed your thinking at that time? Uh, it maybe didn't change my thinking. It just allowed me to give, give voice to those, those, um, those thoughts that have been just bubbling away in the back. Um, you know, the quiet concerns about uh, what we were doing and... and um, at that, that stage, the public narrative around climate change still very divisive and polarised and, um, and, and structured in the way that it would have you, you marked. You know, if you had a concern about the environment, then you were, you were one of them. Ooh, you one of those scary, crazy greenies. Um, but that trip, uh, that, the turning point there was that um, I was amongst all these amazing people and for whom that was no longer a debate. It's not even, not even with the oxygen well, of course the climate's changing. Of course we need to do something about it. And so um, it really was that trip that said, um, okay, my, my quiet thoughts are now, uh, uh, have now been validated and I have permission to go do something about it. It's a big deal, though, to be the industry leader in going carbon neutral and where you, have, you, you don't have external drivers at that point. It's, it's really your moral compass that's driving that in a lot of respects. Um, and in the, the first few months after you kind of had this, this decision, that you made the decision within yourself, you actually talked to a lot of people in the industry. What did you hear them saying about their concerns about climate? Uh, it wasn't, uh, wasn't universal, but um, we... We'd seen enough of um, stories around, really around the globe, They're from people that we interact with, uh, first-hand observations of changes in fisheries and oceans. Um, the odd, the odd voice of dissent, which is, you know, it's all natural, and the world's uh, the world's climate's always been changing, those sorts of things. But um, on the ground, um, those impacts were real, and increasingly, big business, big fishing business, was starting to think about what, what are the impacts for this um, uh, carrying on unchecked for our business. Really appropriate um, but selfish thoughts. It's one thing to decide as CEO that you want to take the company carbon neutral, but you still had to present the idea to the board and get their agreement. And what information did you gather to be able to take to them to start getting them to think about it? 
So first of all, I think just broadly making those climate conversations more, uh, more, more comfortable, more natural, um, becoming fluent in the, in the language of climate change. So um, that doesn't cost anything. That's just having, having the discussion. And often in industry that was just buried. Industry four where, um, where that elephant in the room was never talked about. And, uh, so that's important. Uh, we looked at it also in the context of um, uh, the, the business's social licence. Where will we position our historical commitment to third-party certification schemes, to best practice in fisheries, uh, the work we've done in safety? It all left us in um, in a position where we're kind of we needed. We were looking for that next thing. How do we? How does a progressive business further advance the, the cause? Um, and then there's the sort of the strategy piece. You say, well. You know, it's the red ocean strategy or the blue ocean strategy. So in red ocean strategy, it's all about price. You're just, and you're just swimming in a sea of red blood uh, of your competitors. Uh, the barriers to entry are low, uh, the margins are low, the risks are high. Uh, in a blue ocean strategy, <coughs> uh, which is where we, we, we felt we were operating, is, is that place where you're able to design the competitive landscape of your choosing. Though, that landscape where you are strongest. And so we felt very, very um, confident that um, with all of the other work we've done in illegal fishing and in uh, third party certification around sustainability, that, um, that climate would be that, that, um, that significant step change in commitment to the greater good. Um, and we invite people to, to compete in, um, in the strategy landscape of our, of our choosing, of our design. So were there any sticking points in convincing the board ultimately? That's expensive business, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the business of um, making that commitment, it's like having a, having a child, you can't, you can't give it back, you can't take, you can't take a step back from that. Um, and really, and this, this is for me the sort of the humbling personal piece is that um, whilst they might not have understand all of the, the detail and nuance and implications, um, they were back on me. And um, that was, that was um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, deeply humbling. How many times have you been approached by other fishing organisations to find out about going carbon neutral? Oh, we've had a couple. Uh, we have had a couple, more of a, out of curiosity. Um, we're seeing more discussion around those sorts of things. Not so much the the full dive into making the commitment as we've done, uh, more like a, a, a gradual commitment going forward to um, uh, reducing carbon intensity. Um, Thai Union has been recently in the press looking at doing things for their shrimp and we've been working quite close with uh, those folks. Uh, some of the New Zealand companies are um, paying attention uh, some of the Canadians are watching, um, uh, but nobody, nobody's done what we've done mm. yet. So how would you, if you had the opportunity to have the platform to kind of sell carbon neutrality to other organisations in the fishing industry, how, how, would, you, how would you convince them? Uh, I think it still, it still broadly fits with um, a whole bunch of different teachers and writing and, and learned souls around the place. So whether you're into Simon Sinek and you want to you start with your why, uh, whether you're a dry commercial beast uh, like the guys that run Unilever and you recognise that 
um, when we test our actions that they need to be, uh, if they're good for the people and good for the planet, then they're good for Unilever, so that's this people, planet, profit thing. Um, my personal view is that um, doing right by our communities and the environment uh, is not, should not be a zero-sum game. Um, the traditional Keynesian approach to businesses that, you know, greed is good and the only measure is the bottom line um, in, in terms of profit. Um, that, that thinking, from my point of view, is uh, well and truly out of date and that contemporary business um, can, will only succeed if they've got a mind to um, their place in the world. The other, the other more selfish piece is that um, the world's going to change uh, in ways we've not seen and unless we're mindful of particularly the impacts that we're having with climate, um, we'll either end up with um, uh, taxes that, uh, that tax uh, emissions of, of burning fossil fuels or we'll find that um, we'll be restricted to certain markets. So some of the European markets are now actively looking to um, find the level playing field between their low carbon domestic producers of produce and that those, those um, products that are coming from imports. So you could well find punitive trade measures applied to companies that aren't, uh, that aren't stepping up. And so even if you're not into all the lovey-dovey stuff, uh, there's some really, really good hard business reasons why you want to be um, thinking about a low, a low emissions future. So where have you seen the greatest ripple effect in the leadership that you've shown through Austral Fisheries and, and the decision to be carbon neutral? <laughs> yeah, um, odd corners, you know, like you know, our, our good friends at Cooper Energy a, 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 um, a chat there and it's resulted in them offsetting scope one and scope two emissions. Uh, that's fantastic. They're, they're making, they're putting their head up, they're making that commitment, they're starting a journey. Uh, <coughs> um, uh, Thai Union, as I mentioned, some of the stuff that we've done, um, I'm sure, sure has influenced the way they've been thinking. Uh, um, even within our parent company, Murahanichiro, the uh, uh, I'm sure our leadership has um, resulted in investments in, in just simple things, but solar panels in factories in all different parts of the world. Uh, they still have a long way to go, but um, all of this stuff has to begin somewhere. And, um, uh, and also, to some extent, in our supply chain. So, so we can be talking to cold stores and say, well, you know, if, if we're doing business with you there as, as a supplier, then um, these, are the, these are the things we'd like to see in your coal store. So fit those solar panels, use um, uh, best standard insulation and, um, and then uh, think about offsetting the, um, the emissions or buying green power to run the plant. So um, there's lot, uh, yeah, lots of little seeds that we've planted. It took you 402 days to go from decision to certification of carbon neutrality for Austral Fisheries. Do you think that's a fair timeline for for organisations of this size? Yep. Yeah, I think it, um, it can be done and everybody's different. Um, the, the accounting's not madly onerous. There's, um, there's a lot of tools and standards that simplify a, um, an assumption for the carbon impact of hotel nights or taxis and Ubers or um, just look at your light bill and it's easy to work out what the, um, uh, 
the emissions intensity of the org really is. And um, uh, uh, for the you know for the, for the one of uh, a little dedicated effort, it's um, that's a pretty easy journey. At the moment, uh, the reason that you're able to achieve carbon neutrality is because of offsets. So, what work do you still look forward to achieving in terms of how you actually maintain that carbon neutrality in future? Uh, important uh, question. And my own view is that really, if we're not thinking about a future where we don't need fossil fuels, then we're in the wrong place. So this business burns eight or nine million litres of diesel a year. We need that, given the current technology. But um, equally, uh, we're, we're actively considering what options we have to run, uh, say initially as a pilot, uh, a fleet of prawn boats on uh, hydrogen, for example. Invest in a, a shore-based renewable energy hydrogen facility. Uh, we uh, That fleet is also getting ready for renewal. Some of those boats are now average age 30 plus years, so they're coming up for renewal. Um, but um, any boats we build need to be built with a, um, a new energy source in mind. Mm. Now, whether that's hybrid, I don't know. But um, uh, there's so much interest in this space now, so much, um, uh, so many good people and reasonable uh, amounts of cash that um, things are moving real quick. So, um, so you've taken delivery of Cape Arcona, which is an electric hybrid ship. Tell us more about that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty special. Um, Norway, Norway build, um, it's as clever as we can be with diesel, still, still needing diesel, but we, um, we opted for the extra spend, which was maybe five, seven percent on the capital works, uh, to include a load shaving battery. And um, uh, it doesn't make, you, know, you, you might think it's not a, a really big deal, but um, if we can save 20% of uh, her fuel consumption by just being smarter with the um, flexibility we have for her drivetrain, uh, like the two engine setup, the load shaving capacity in the battery, the ability to recover energy and store it electrically from uh, winches as we shoot away, um, and even the, just the joy of sitting in port having um, having no engines running at all whilst the, bat the battery keeps the fans and pumps running and then the genset waits, wakes up every few hours just to give it a top up. Um, so uh, we're super proud of it and um, I think again it's testimony to our commitment to not just be, just to sort of sweep up our mess but to again invest in reducing our reliance on, uh, on fossil fuels. Mm. These decisions are so easy to kick down the road. You know, you, you look at a commitment to offsetting carbon, you think, oh, oh, we'll wait till we have a better year, we'll do it next year. Uh, the simple thing is, if not me, now, uh, who, if not now, when, and um, get on with them.